funny. We've sort of introduced ourselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm Karis, this is Alex. Um, we were part of the church um, until 2019 um, when we got married. So I know a lot of you, grew up with a lot of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just really thrilled to be back here. Um, and thank you for inviting us to share on this topic. It's, um, yeah, it's a real privilege. Um, and I should say, I don't know if we actually said this in our talk just now. We're, um, we're currently just living in the jewelry quarter, so we're not far away. And we're going to a church called Anchor Church, um, just the other side of, well, it's kind of Selly Parkway. Um, and uh, yeah, just carrying on our, our journey there. Um, so today, um, we're carrying on with the sermon series that I believe you've been going through on discipleship, uh, the way the disciples understood it. Um, and there's, there's two final weeks left of this. Um, in the next two weeks, uh, we're going to be exploring the influence that we have as disciples and as, as followers of Jesus um, and how we can look to kind of lead the way that, that Jesus led. Um, today, we'll be looking kind of specifically at um, climate change uh, and what our response as disciples uh, looks like to that. Um, and then next week, uh, you've got your, your resident expert, uh, John, speaking about justice. Um, so... Uh, that'll be wrapping up up the series next week. Yeah. Um, And I guess just just before Alex shares the first part, um, we shared about our jobs there, and currently we both are working in in areas kind of related to climate and the environment. Um, But I think, yeah, I guess what we wanted to sort of frame as we start is that um, this is something that God has just really placed on our hearts in general. Um, It's a topic that sort of goes beyond our our nine-to-five because it's some pat, something that impacts all of us. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a really important thing and um, something that I think really God has a lot to say about it. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to sharing that. And I'm going to pray before Alex um, starts. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lord, just pray um, that you'll be here now. We welcome your presence in. Um, Lord, help our hearts to be and minds to be receptive to um, what you want to say to us today. Lord, may it only be your words um, that come out of mine and Alex's mouth today, um, that it would be from you and anything that's from us, Lord, would you just let it fall away? Um, we we want to hear your voice this morning. Um, so yeah, give us wisdom, Father, um, as a church, as we, as we think about this now. Amen. Um, so for, for many of us here in the UK, I think 2022 was the, the year that climate change really hit home. We had the heat waves of July uh, that saw um, UK temperatures exceeding 40 degrees for the first time. We had hosepipe bans, we had health risks, uh, we had wildfires, um, and it was an event which a lot of scientists said was pretty much impossible without uh, human-induced climate warming. Um, Karis and I, we actually spent, uh, on, last July, we spent a night in A&E um, after our, uh, we, we have floor-to-ceiling windows on our flat, and it's a top, top floor flat, and it just became a greenhouse. Um, so just, just a kind of example of some of the, the risks that were really, um, yeah, hitting home. We, we spent a day in that flat and just totally overheated. Um, but the this is kind of close to home examples. I think the effects of uh, climate change have already been seen across the world and are going to continue to be seen um, across the world. 
Um, just a few, a few statistics to just kind of start. Um, it's predicted in seven years that uh, 700 million people will have been displaced in Africa alone um, due to climate change. Um, and by 2050, it's predict predicted that 1.2 billion will be displaced across the world. Closer to home, um, the way that we live and our kind of consumerist lifestyles uh, lead us to use our resources kind of unsustainably. Um, and it's, it's reckoned that if we were to all across the globe live as an average person in the UK, it would take 2.6 Earths to sustain us. Um, so that's kind of the amount of resource that we, that we use just in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, so as followers of Jesus, what should our attitude be towards the environment? How do we respond to some of these statistics? Um, some of these statistics that just feel so big and kind of out of our control. If God has entrusted creation to us, how should we look after it? Today, I'm just going to unpack a small bit of what uh, is said in the Bible and what God says to us about creation and our place within it as humans. Um, and then Karis is going to look at how we respond um, and how we consider how we act uh, in, in response to climate issues and injustices. Um, so there's a, there's a wealth of descriptions and stories in the Bible, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, that help us understand what the purpose of God's creation is and what our place is within it. There's, there's three points particularly that I wanted to highlight for us. Um, so, Paul, if we could have the first slide, please. Oh, I've got control, haven't I, actually? There we go, there we go. Lovely, thank you. Um, God loves creation, first point. At the very start of the Bible we have the, the famous passages of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything we see and experience, everything we touch and taste. All of it was created by a mighty, powerful God. As God creates different parts of creation, in the story of Genesis, we hear this lovely refrain where God says, uh, he, well, he creates, and then he sees that something is good. Um, it says, God saw that it was good. He creates something else. God saw that it was good. Now, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician. Um, when I create a, a good piece of music or, or play or hear a good piece of music, I, I kind of just have this, this joy, this kind of like, a carousel note. I make this like, woo-hoo kind of noise. Like, I'm really enjoying something um, and a, a face that goes with it. I kind of, I like to think of God doing a similar thing here, um, that he creates something and he just creates it, and it's so beautiful, it's so good, that he just delights in it. He just loves his creation. Um, so God sees what he has made, and at every step, well before even you know, humans turn up, there's just this refrain, God sees that it is good. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good, everything in it. Concluding the story of creation, uh, we have God creating humans. He creates Adam, and he creates Eve. Um, but to them, and to all of humankind, he gives a specific vocation. This is Genesis 1, verse 28. It says, God blessed, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So you and I, as lowly humans, ourselves part of God's beautiful creation, are uniquely entrusted to rule 
over this creation. God chooses to entrust creation to our rulership. He doesn't give us creation fully. Um, Psalm 24 reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It still belongs to God, yet he entrusts it to our care. Jesus tells a parable about a master who entrusts his money to his servants to use. And the earth, it's a bit like that. Um, We are trusted with it, but like the money in this parable, it still belongs fully to God. Now, there's, there's much that could be said about ruling over creation and what that looks like. Briefly, though, God sees creation as good, so we should rule it in a way that strives to maintain creation's goodness, allowing it to provide for his creatures and to keep glorifying God. Who are we, ourselves, as God's created humans, to mess up something that he delights in? Furthermore, as followers of Jesus, we have the perfect model of rulership, a Jesus serving with humility, compassion, and kindness. So that's point one, God loves creation. Point two. There we go. God sustains creation. I've got a monitor there. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, I know through this sermon series, you've been thinking about discipleship as the disciples understood it. What would it have looked like for the first disciples as they physically walked with Jesus to experience uh, their environment, creation around them? And how would they have seen uh, how Jesus responded to this? Um, At least in what's recorded in the Bible, Jesus himself didn't speak too much about creation. But the disciples would have known the abundance of Old Testament descriptions teachings and songs. I think they would have had a much deeper connection with creation and their environment and a much stronger sense of how much they and how much we still rely on God to sustain it. Psalm 147 says, God covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes it grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Everything we receive from creation is a direct provision from God. He is the one who provides the rain, the one who makes plants grow. He is the one who provides food for the cattle. In Jesus' time, the disciples would have seen this in their agricultural society. They would have celebrated God's provision with a harvest festival. They would have recognized that all they had was provided by the God who sustains the earth. And this is kind of my my reflection on this. I just think that one of possibly one of the mistakes of our our time and our age, it's a lose sight of how God sustains creation at every point. Uh, In our world where we can just, well, in in our UK where we can go to Tesco, Audi, Waitrose, we can get our food without really considering where it's come from and who's who's sustained it, who, well, who sustained the earth to make it grow. We should seek to humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness where we forget the source of all good things, and remember to nurture a heart of thankfulness simply just for the food we eat. And Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So God is sustaining the earth, um, and he he loves the creation that he's created. And then finally, for me, God is glorified by creation. Creation glorifies God just by being its created self. 
For my 18th birthday, uh, my dad and I, we went to Pitlochry, um, a village just to the south of the Cairngorms National Park in Scotland, uh, for a week of walking. And I clearly remember my first walk in the Scottish mountains. It wasn't any of these uh, puny English hills. This was something much, much wilder, much rawer than my previous experience. After a few hard hours of climbing, we reached the peak of the mountain. And I got the first sight of what lay to the north of us. And it was utterly amazing. I stood in awe of the bigness, the beauty, and the splendor of God's creation. I just wonder how many of you have had similar experiences to that, being in wonder at God's creation. Yeah, I've got a hand from Wendy. Um, Paul in Romans says that since the beginning of time, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. All of creation points to him, and it has always pointed to him, towards the creator. Just by being the way it was created, it glorifies him. Um, in some ways, I'd say creation, it makes a great partnership for our evangelism in that because it just points to him, it glorifies him by just being what it is. So as we seek to understand what we should do with the, the rule of creation that God has entrusted to us, we should remember that creation, it glorifies him, it's a powerful witness and that he delights in it. So I'm going to hand over to Karis now. So just to pause there, um, I want to tell a quick story from a few weeks ago, actually. Um, Alex and I, on a Thursday evening, after we finished work, um, we actually went to the Rep Theatre in Birmingham um, to watch a film called Can I Live um, by the actor and activist Fahenti Belogan. Um, this was an hour of hilarious, heart-wrenching, quite hopeful, but also quite convicting art. It had drama and, and music and dance. Um, it was all about climate justice as well. Um, and not to give any spoilers, uh, in case any of you do go and ever see this film somewhere, um, but at the end of, uh, of the, the hour-long film, um, there's a handful of like quite ordinary, I'd say, British people from across the UK um, sharing stories of... Um, what they've done to sort of change the world for the better, particularly in relation to climate justice, sort of these very passionate people who want to see um, the world change a little bit um, on this topic. Um, and some of them did quite small things in, in comparison to some quite big things. Some were setting up whole organizations and NGOs, um, and some people um, were actually just informing and teaching people in the community about, about how we respond to this. Um, and the particularly this bit of the film, just completely broke me. I, um, I'm not someone who normally cries at films, actually. Um, but I was crying and sobbing so much in the theatre that my shoulders were literally shaking. Um, it was good, it was quite dark, it had been a bit embarrassing. Um, and I thought, well, okay, that was pretty amazing and, and a powerful way to use art um, to address what's happening in our world. And I thought, but God... Don't get me wrong, this film really um, stirred me. I felt a lot of emotions. Um, it was really powerful. Uh, and the film hadn't even addressed the fact that the creator of the universe walks with us and wants to know us. Um, it didn't even mention God. And I thought, okay, well, 
what does it look like to bring God into the picture here um, and to bring God into our response to this crisis? And going back to our disciples, they knew the Old Testament stories. Um, They knew from the scriptures that God loves creation, that God sustains creation, uh, and that creation glorifies him, just as Alex has been unpacking for us. Crucially, the disciples also knew Jesus, um, but after he rose from the dead, he then ascended into heaven. He left earth, and he left his disciples with a mission and with a promise to return. And we are still in the disciples' position 2,000 years later, left with a mission and left with a promise that Jesus will return to us. So what was the disciples' experience and and what is our experience of stewarding this creation after Jesus? Um, I just want to read you a couple of verses from Acts 1, verses 6 to 8. I think I can get it on the screen. There we go. Um, I really like the message version of this, so I'm going to read the message version, but it's great in any version. Um, This is Jesus' ascension. Verse 6 says, When they, the apostles, were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. I have hope in Jesus. He is coming back, um, and there will be a new earth. Let's just take a pause to reflect on that again. I think it's incredible. There will be a new earth. Jesus is coming back. Um, And in this passage, the disciples have got questions about when they will see restoration of God's kingdom. Um, Almost like a yearning you can sense from the disciples. You know, when's it going to happen, Jesus? Amidst the theology of of climate change, um, there is, of course, the question of end times that that can come out a little bit. Um, And there are masses of things to unpack about what this crisis might mean. Don't get me wrong. Um, You know, could it be the cause of Jesus' return? You might have even thought to yourself, should we bother or really care too much about climate change as Christians um, if God will restore his kingdom and there will be a new heaven and a new earth? It's a great point. And in Revelation 21, it paints a really clear picture of this promised future um, with he who was seated on the throne saying, I am making everything new. And that is a truth that we can hold on to. But looking at this passage in Acts, where Jesus is saying to the disciples, you don't get to know the time. Uh, that's the Father's business. It's so powerful. It's, it's not for us to know whether climate change is the cause of Jesus' return, maybe. Jesus is like, you, you shouldn't concern yourself with these questions, uh, wondering about when I'm restoring my kingdom and how. Leave that to God. And I think that's really helpful And in the midst of this knowledge that God's kingdom will be restored, what Jesus wanted his disciples to know and understand was the Holy Spirit. In this Acts passage, Jesus says, I am giving you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, you will be able to be my witnesses to the whole world. 
Now, witnessing here, of course, is referring to spreading that good news and the gospel that Jesus is our Savior. And I think part of that witness, I believe, is actually witnessing to God's character and his justice and what he declares to be good. In Romans, it says creation has revealed God's splendor, God's glory. If God declares creation is good, we're not witnessing if we're trashing it. What happens when the Holy Spirit moves in us? The Spirit guides us and leads us into action because of the faith that is stirred up inside us. Stirred up faith and hope. And I have faith and hope in God's power and in the knowledge that his kingdom is coming, no matter what. In fact, he's already done it. Of course, God could restore his kingdom right now, um, and he could do it all by himself. But our joy is to partner with God, to bring this about in whatever way we can. I believe it's in this posture of faith and hope stirred up by the Holy Spirit from which we should be stewarding God's creation and ultimately responding to, um, to the climate. So from that Holy Spirit-given posture of, of faith and hope being stirred into action, um, what's our response? I'm going to keep this pretty brief and I'm going to keep this practical. First of all, pray. Um, this is far too big for us alone. Part of praying is knowing we can't change everything, but recognizing we have a God who can. Recognize the power of God and, and pray for his kingdom to come. With climate change, we are talking about system change eventually. Um, and system change is so much more effective um, when it's done through the power of the Spirit, because it's big. But crucially, also pray for the Holy Spirit to be stirring in you. That's really key, I think. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be stirring in you. And then listen. Um, as the Holy Spirit is stirred in you, what is God asking of you in your circumstances? Um, what action is being stirred up maybe in faith and in hope in him? I love this commentary that I read this week on the Holy Spirit, um, and I just want to read it to you. In Genesis 1-2, we find him moving about the surface of the waters, and in Revelation 22:17, he and the bride cry with one voice. From beginning to end, the Holy Spirit has always been active. In the beginning, creating, and at the end of the story, tending to us, he comforts us, helps us, guides us, reminds us, teaches us, comes alongside us, counsels us, and intercedes and advocates for us. There is no area of life in which the believer does not need the help of the Holy Spirit. So listen, what do you sense the Holy Spirit saying to you? And then act. Um, in each generation, I think there are one or two seminal issues that society is looking at to how the church is responding. Um, and I do think this, the climate change, climate justice, is one of those issues right now. I cannot emphasize this enough. Use what influence God has entrusted you with. We can make a difference 
no matter our circumstances. If we're struggling just to get by, I think we can make really simple choices here. You know, that could be actually teaching our children or even teaching ourselves sometimes um, just to wonder um, and, and, and be thankful for God's incredible creation. I think that's, that's a great starting point. There might be some key parts of your daily life um, that you could step back and reflect on. Um, is God asking anything new or different from you here? Dad and I were talking at the beginning of the service actually about this because I think it's incredibly complex, the daily life decisions in response to this. It's not binary. Um, you know, we were trying to think of really simple, well, not simple, but, but some examples of daily life things. And, and one example, for instance, um, might be your pension fund or your bank. Do you know what you're investing in, your money in? Is the Holy Spirit nudging you to, to think about that again? And also, if you have a position of influence, how can you use that? Business leaders, head teachers, those working in the government, um, who do you have the ear of in, in your day-to-day? If we're really drilling down to practicalities here, I think a corporate response really does have a power beyond individual response. Um, and that's not that we shouldn't think about our own daily lives, as I've just said, that's, that's a key part. Um, but we shouldn't forget that as we consider what God might be asking of us as a church. And I mean the global church, not just, not just OVC, not just Anchor, where we go. Um, and I say all of this with complete sincerity that there is no shame here whatsoever. Um, I'm not sure we're ever going to really get this right. <laughs> um, Alex and I, we, we grapple with how we should act um, in response here regularly. Those classic questions of what day-to-day actions are we supposed to be taking as Christians in the current climate. Um, we don't have many answers to this really, um, but we do keep coming back to praying, to listening, and to doing something. And just to come into land, um, the statistics which Alex shared at the beginning of this talk about the impact of climate change um, shows just how important our response is. Um, If we hadn't already made it clear to you, this is something that that breaks our hearts. Um, Climate change, climate justice is something we we really care about because um, this is and will affect every son and daughter um, on the earth from one end all the way to the other, starting with the poorest. But what I would say is most significant to us today, I think, and and if anything you take away, um, is that God loves his creation. God sustains his creation, uh, and creation glorifies him massively. It's beautiful. And let's respond to that today. Let's respond by praying about this, um, by listening to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, uh, and let's be the church that responds in stewarding God's creation. So we're going to respond now. Um, We're going to respond in just a time of reflection, um, listening to actually one of my favorite worship songs um, that will be played on the screen. So in these next few minutes, um, can I just invite you to just to pray in your own hearts, reflect on where you are, um, listen to what the Holy Spirit might be be saying to you, um, and we'll listen to that song now.